We sang there those words, Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Isn't that sobering? Sobering. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin, it was my sin that held him there. Isn't that convicting? Until it was accomplished, my dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Following the, the, the sermon, we're going to be sharing in communion or the Lord's Supper. And I'm assuming that Christoph will, will repeat the words normally included as we take of the bread and wine. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The, the communion we take off is a sobering celebration of death, the death of Jesus. It is a, a solemn sacrament. The eating of bread and the taking of wine are, are the symbols of Christ's death, a necessary death. It was my sin that held him there. My sin upon his shoulders. There on the cross. And the question I pose as we prepare to share in the communion today is, why did Jesus have to die? Why the necessity of death? And it seems to me a legitimate question to ask. It may be a question you ask when you are young and confused about the gospel. It may have been asked when you start to think theologically and try to discern the meaning in regard to why was the cross necessary. And you may be here this morning, and I don't know you all, you might be here, and you are still pondering over that question. It is the question asked for over 2,000 years. Even Jesus' friends who shared the first Lord's Supper with him were asking, and it seems to me, and pondering over it. They were disturbed and bewildered. And do you recognize who initially asked the question, why? It was, astonishingly, Jesus, who was in total pain and desperation, transfixed and paralyzed, motionless and tor tortured on a roughly wooden hewn cross. He cried out like any person who is up against a wall and there was no other option available. He cries out, why? Why was he to drink the cup of execution? And at that very moment, at the ninth hour, the question echoed through Jerusalem. My God, 
my God, why have you forsaken me? In Matthew 27 and verse 46, which we read, why? Why? Why did Jesus have to die? We had the, the story of Jesus to, why had the story of Jesus to end with a bloody death on a cross? Well, of course, it didn't quite end there, certain, because there was resurrection. But why on that day we call Good Friday did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't God just have let Jesus be a unique and esteemed teacher to follow and be the king of a new kingdom of heaven on earth and amid the horror of a gruesome death. Crucifixion on a cross was a, a terrifying and, and horrible thing. Most of us here probably, if we had been there, would have avoided looking. It would have turned our stomachs. We would have been overcome with emotion. Ter tears would have been uh, on our cheeks. Why? Well, the answer I want us to recognize is the death was the fulfillment of God's rescue plan. God's rescue plan. God's way of delivering and rescuing us from the mess of a rebellious nature. That nature within us, that rebellious nature. And so, first of all, we see the rescue was the consequences of our fallen state. Jesus didn't come only to provide a pattern of a highly moral life so we could claim we have lived righteously. He came to complete a rescue because humanity is lost in its self-righteousness. I want to share with you a rescue story. Have you seen the film? Quite some time ago, Lost at Sea. I've watched it a few times on YouTube, and particularly the ending of it. I hope I can tell this adequately for you to see what happens. Robert Redford was lost on his yacht. It sank after a collision with a rogue container that was afloat in the sea, that had fallen off some container ship. He tried to survive in his inflatable lifeboat, and it seemed all was failing. He was in total distress and ended up burning everything, and drastically, his dinghy. He hoped the flames would alert a distant ship. And it seemed all had failed. He had failed to alert the ship. In the darkness of the night, with nothing to hold on to, to stay afloat, he slipped below the surface of the sea. All was lost. When suddenly, a light appeared, and a hand reached out to him, and pulled him to the surface and saved him, rescued. We recognize we are submerged in a fallen humanity. 
We are people who fail to live as God created us to be. We live in a society that is lost and is far from existing in a relationship that God created for us with himself. When we stand before God, our moral and personal spreadsheet is full of flaws. As Paul put it, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we read in Psalm 130 and verse 3, familiar to many of us, and the psalmist writes, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? Isn't that a harrowing question? How could we stand? How could we? How could I? I want you to use your imagination a little bit. Just imagine in this age of technology and artificial intelligence, anything might be possible. Imagine if when you enter church through a laser beam and you are recognized and this activated software on the computer to your profile and immediately your moral record was displayed on the monitors and we're still recorded and stored in church suite. I can guess what would happen to attendance. Oh, who would stand to have their records appear on Sunday? We would do damage to our relationship with God consequently. And, and I can guess that our attendance on a Sunday morning would probably drop. For who could stand to have their records appear on Sunday? Yes, the damage to our relationship with God constantly is damaged. It, it might sometimes be non-thinking or accidental, but regularly we cause God great pain by our blundering through life, scratching and wounding other people by our acts or words. We form barriers between us and God by our warped and incoherent thoughts, deception and unfaithfulness. The spreadsheet we contribute to is full of debts to pay. There's been so much done. We can never pay the debt. But the cost of our sin is paid by Christ. We have a debt to pay. We ought to be paying for the damage we create. But God in his grace paid the price through Christ's death. Christ died for our forgiveness and to release us from the debt we owe. To reach out the hand of mercy to rescue us. And this is what I believe we acknowledge as we take of the communion meal today. Christ reaching out the hand to rescue us. The light has shone, and at that moment, the hand has been reached out towards us. 
Now, I don't know all of you who are here this morning. Have you, through faith, responded to Christ's death and the merciful rescue from your sin? And we see, secondly, and this answer to why is Christ to die, through Christ's death, forgiveness is offered. With Christ, there is forgiveness. Trusting in the cross, Christ paid the debt. The account is cleared. The debt is paid. The spreadsheet is clear. The delete key has been pressed, and the record of sins is trashed. We are rescued and forgiven. Why did Christ have to die? Couldn't God just forgive us? Why the death? Couldn't God just forgive us? Timothy Keller, the late Timothy Keller, in his, in his book, The Reason for God, writes this. We can see that no one just forgives if evil is serious. And he continues. Forgiveness means bearing the cost instead of making the wrongdoer do it. Isn't that what Christ did through his death on the cross? Bore the cross instead of making the wrongdoer do it. So you can reach out in love to seek your enemy's renewal and change. Christ has reached out in love, rescued us. We who receive that grace through faith we are changed. And he goes on to say, forgiveness means absorbing the debt of the sin yourself. Christ absorbed our sin in his death. And everyone who forgives great evil goes through a death into resurrection and experience nails, blood, sweat, and tears. This is Jesus' death. You, you get what forgiveness means? Christ has rescued us so that we too will forgive. We can, to go back to that quotation again, we can see that no one just forgives if evil is serious. Forgiveness means bearing the cost instead of making the wrongdoer do it. So you can reach out in love to seek your enemy's renewal and change. Are you applying this to yourself? Forgiveness means absorbing the debt of the sin yourself. Everyone who forgives great evil goes through a death into resurrection and experiences nails, blood, sweat, and tears. You know, in my experience uh, as a minister, I have spoken to some people who will, take, um, who will take communion, just as we will later, but they have never been able to forgive. Maybe they've never been able to receive truly Christ's forgiveness, but Christ has rescued us that we too might forgive. 
It is crucial for us to recognize that God in Jesus Christ took the pain and suffering upon himself. He absorbed the cruelty of the cross, the horrific nature of the pain, the vengeance, the vengeful violence, and the evil of the world. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, Christ bore our pain and the evil of the world. Christ suffered. Thirdly, why did Christ have to die? Why the suffering? Christ's death was more than mere an example of love. Sacrificial love means full engagement with people, suffering. Now, many of you will identify with what uh, is involved in fully sacrificial love. Many of us become completely emotionally involved with people. We have tried to assist. It might be someone struggling with addiction, someone deeply grieved because of bereavement, someone heavily burdened by debt, someone elderly and alone and requiring consistent care, someone dealing with their, their, their mental illness. Whatever the scenario, we recognize that the concentration of our love leads to a draining of us emotionally. I, I know I speak uh, to some of you, and you are emotionally involved in the suffering of a family member or a friend. And I come back to Keller again. And he writes, all life-changing love toward people with serious needs is substitutional sacrifice. If you become personally involved with them in some way, their weakness flows towards you as your strength flows towards them. The late uh, John Stott in his book, The Cross of Christ, writes that substitution is the heart of the Christian message. And the essence of sin is we human beings substituting ourselves for God while the essence of salvation is God substituting for us. We put ourselves where only God deserves to be. God puts himself where we deserve to be. And God in his love for us is also with us in suffering. God in Christ suffered violence, oppression, grief, weakness, and pain. He took our place and was the victim of all the pains of suffering. When we take the Lord's Supper, we affirm this truth about Christ's death. Jesus put himself where we deserve to be. He suffered in our place. And the Christ who was our substitute on the cross who died and was sacrificed for our sin, knows all about suffering and is with us in our suffering. Again, Stott wrote, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who is immune to it? Why did Jesus have to die? Why? Jesus had to die 
for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus had to die as our substitute and suffered in our place. The answer to that question is, he died for us. Christ's death is the hand reaching out to rescue us. And as we take of this communion today, we are affirming that truth. Christ has reached out to rescue us. Let us pray. O oh, gracious God, we, we praise you for your love in Jesus Christ our Savior. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. O oh, gracious God, we praise and thank you for Jesus who has reached out to rescue us. And oh, come, Lord Jesus, and, and rescue us as we, we face the, the temptations that come each day. Reach out to the Lord and strengthen us as we stand against the, the culture of today. Oh, Lord Jesus, reach out and, and rescue us when we are weak and heavy burdened. Oh, Lord Jesus, reach out and rescue us when we are unforgiving. Oh, Lord, reach out and rescue us when we so often struggle. Oh, Father, we praise you that you have reached out to rescue us through the cross. And we thank you that Christ took his place so that we might have life and have it fully in union with you through the gift of your grace and spirit. We praise you. Amen.